Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys. Today's episode, I chat with Adriana about her early cholestasis diagnosis leading to a planned induction and a natural birth within a hospital. Adriana used the knowledge and skills she learned from a hypnobirthing course to help guide her to the natural birth she desired. She loved it so much, she became a hypnobirthing practitioner to help other women manifest an empowering birth experience like she did. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. so much for joining us on today's show Adriana I really appreciate you coming on no problems thank you for having me do you want to just quickly tell us a little bit about yourself like where you live and who's in your family yeah so I live in Adelaide in South Australia um I've been married for almost 10 years to my husband we got married on 11 11 11 um (gasps) that's awesome remembrance days so he can't forget yeah Um, (laughs) has he ever forgotten um, no, no, he oh, hasn't good. forgotten. I, I think it's kind of like they kind of sneak up on us, like the wedding yeah. anniversary sneak up, and it's yeah, a bit surprising yeah. how quick they go. But yeah, yeah hasn't true. forgotten. Um, and we have a two and a half year old son called Lincoln. Oh, beautiful! So, how yeah. old were you when you started trying with Lincoln? Um, so I would have been twenty six. Yeah. No. Nice. Yes, 26. And you guys uh, planned him? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we yeah, so we had um, planned on starting to try in June. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a holiday to Port Douglas booked and oh, the plan no. was that, yeah, so we thought we'll start trying then. Uh, we decided to put our house on the market at the start of the year and in my mind it was like, yep, all right, so house will be on the market. Hopefully we'll be sold and um, you know, have a new place to be thinking about moving into before we even start trying to have a baby. Yeah. Um, so never works out that way, does it? Uh, never works out that way. Um, so yeah, I got the house, just got it listed in March, and then I found out I was pregnant on the second of April. Wow. So yeah, thank, thankful that it happened so easy for us, though. Yeah. So. Wow, that's awesome. What was your pregnancy like with him? Um, 
okay, so it was it was pretty good. Um, I had gotten up to my third trimester and everything was looking quite healthy and um, looked like I was staying relatively low risk and um, everything was going well. Um, and then I got diagnosed with cholestasis at 33 weeks. Okay, so what is that? Yep. I've never heard of that. Um, so it's a condition with your liver um, okay. and you end up producing more bile salts than usual. So um, the problem is that it can cross through to your placenta and cause issues with baby and it can cause um, some liver problems with yourself as well. Oh, okay. Um, and is that like so a genetic thing? Like how does that come about? Do they know? There's not a lot known about it. Mm -hmm. um, so they think there is a genetic factor um, and if you've had it before, there is, you know, the chance of a higher chance of you getting it again in subsequent pregnancies as well. Um, but yeah, they think it also could be to do with the increase in hormones as well, because it is um, more common in like the third trimester, the later you get uh -huh. on in your pregnancy. So. And what uh, types of symptoms do you get with that? Uh, so itchy skin mainly on the palms of your hand and hands and soles of your feet. Oh, uh, nice. So I've just been awake one night, like couldn't sleep, and. Yeah, went to the doctor the next day and straight, like I was, I'd been on Dr. Google and I was trying not to As scare myself. <laughs> <laughs> Did um, Google and, say that it was that or was Dr. Yeah, Google incorrect? Dr. Google was right. I was <laughs> trying to, uh, I was pretty much in denial even after I had the tests done. Um, I remember going back to work and I was like, I'm not even that itchy. Like, it's surely it's fine. <laughs> and what did they, what's the process that they took after that? Uh, so I got sent for more blood tests. So they um, test your blood and then I'd ended up getting called into my doctor basically called me and told me to go to the emergency department straight away. Mm. Um, and then they did a fasting blood test and checked my bile acids as well as my liver function. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the, that was Friday morning. I got that blood test done and Friday afternoon they called me and said, uh, we want you to come in and um, have a chat to us and you might want to pack an overnight bag. And I was still in complete denial. I, um, I rang my husband and I was like, I'm sure it's fine. Like, I'm not even that itchy. Surely it's fine. Wow. Um, but, yeah, went in and they told me that um, I had, they suspected I had the cholestasis and they said that the normal levels, normal bile acid levels are under 10 um, and over 10 you get the diagnosis and then over 40 it's classed as severe and mm -hmm. mine were 108 <gasps> that day. Yeah, wow. so I got admitted um, and they did the test again the next morning. They told me I could go home as long as I come back every morning to have the test. But then that night they um, called me up again and they're like, no, your levels are now over 200 so <gasps> you need to So how far along were you at that stage? Sorry. Uh, I'd just gone into 33 weeks. 33 weeks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That would have been nerve wracking for you. Yeah. So I started the medication and um, lucky for me, the medication, my body responded quite well to the medication mm -hmm. um, and all my levels came back down to normal by like, when I went back in, it was the Sunday and then mm -hmm. it was Wednesday night I was discharged. So I wasn't in there for too long. Yeah. Um, thankfully, they came right back down. And then just for the remainder of my pregnancy, I had to go back in twice a week for fasting, blood tests and for monitoring. Wow. So you um, ended up getting an induction. Was that just because of this condition? Yeah. Yeah. So we decided that 
um, with the increased risk of stillbirth, we wanted to, we agreed to the induction at 37 weeks. So what model of care did you end up choosing because of this diagnosis? So I had, I had public care and originally I was going to do shared care. And then I started, um, I was at a country, country hospital and they started sending me to the OB a couple of times before I got diagnosed with the cholestasis. And then I moved to, um, one of our other major public hospitals. Um, and then I stayed under public obstetricians. I saw a different obstetrician every time I went in. Yeah. Um, okay. But I also had a student midwife as well. So that kind of kept a little bit of continuity of care for me, which was nice. Yeah. Um, and how did they plan to induce you? Yeah. So I went in on my 37th week, started mm. my 37th week, and I had the balloon catheter. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then after the balloon catheter went in, my husband went home and then the balloon catheter fell out. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure. I had a friend who'd had a similar incident and her, you know, ended up with the cascade of interventions. And yeah. um, so, so I kind of had that in the back of my mind. But And had you done any research about interventions or did you have a birth plan in place? Yeah. So um, after my friend went through that experience and mm-hmm. I saw how much, like, how much of an impact birth really has on, I guess, not just a woman's physical self, but yeah, their emotional, spiritual, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, started researching after that and what she had said about hypnobirthing, I was kind of like, oh, it's a bit too crazy hippie for me. Mm. Um, did some more research and I came back to the Hypnobirthing Australia course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. That was like my practitioner was basically one of the first people I told I was pregnant because I wanted to, I really wanted that course. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that privately. And then, so yeah, we had the birth preferences through there. I had, you know, originally planned, you know, water, low intervention, water birth, natural. Okay. Um, so you've done like a bit of research then. That's good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I look back now and I think, you know, I think a lot of women think that hypnobirthing is just for, you know, your natural unmedicated birth. Yeah. I used the tools and techniques in that from that course were what got me through my labour, like why yeah. it's why I had such a positive outcome. Um, so I think it's almost even more important when interventions are needed because you do need, you know, more knowledge and more support through that time. Totally agree so. with you. Absolutely. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So how did you get onto the hypnobirthing? Um, so like just from research and then, oh, yeah. um, you know, eventually came across the hypnobirthing Australia homepage and it just, you know, the way it was written just really resonated with me that, mm. you know, it was, it was about having an empower, a positive and an empowering experience, like regardless of which way my baby was going to be born, mm-hmm. I wanted to know that I made the right decisions for myself yeah. and him and my family, um, and that I'd done everything I could to give us the best start possible. Yeah. So just getting yeah. yourself knowledgeable on all your choices and the risks that are associated with them. Yeah, for sure. I didn't feel like I was blindsided. Like I think a lot of women feel Yeah. like when they went into the induction, they weren't really told all the risks and, yes. you know, sometimes it was probably unnecessary and then they've gone through that experience unnecessarily. So your um, the balloon's fallen out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the body's fallen out, um, 
and my I've had a midwife come in and she's like, Oh, we might we might have to try the tape and I thought, No, that's what happened to my friend. Like I don't want the same thing to happen to me. I don't want the same story. Yeah. Um and she went and got the lead midwife and lead midwife came back and she's like, Oh no, they just didn't put the balloon in properly. Like <sighs> I can put it in and you know the first time I had it put in I was you know it was put in with the speculum and everything and you know big not a big procedure but like made to feel like a bigger procedure um but the lead midwife came back in in the middle of the night in pretty much in the dark um and just used her hands and put it in and straight away like I'm I could feel the difference straight away and when that happened I was like no no this is my story um this is, you know, this is my journey. It's no one else's. Whatever's going to happen is, you know, it's going to be my my yeah. turn. So, yeah. yeah, after that was in a bit of a better headspace. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And did contractions pick up after that? So I had like period cramping pain and um, I look back now and have a good laugh at myself, but I'd kind of, I don't, I don't know the best way to explain this. I had kind of felt like that wasn't labor. Like it was mm-hmm. just the hospital trying to start, like trying to open my cervix for me basically. Yeah. And so, I, <laughs> yeah, I'd remember like I was playing my hypnobirthing tracks and stuff still, but I think mindset wise, I wasn't in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had kind of like, I was standing up and I remember thinking to myself, like, if this is just like, if this is just a balloon, like what's labor going to feel like? I'm not sure if I can handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I got out of bed and I was rocking, like leaning forward and rocking my hips and that was helping. Um, and then I eventually, eventually the, the cramping sort of stopped and then laid back down and I only got about like an hour's sleep, mm-hmm. um, before the next morning. But yeah, I think, you know, would have, my advice to anyone doing it is to just treat that like labor because yeah, uh-huh. mindset wise, I think that, um, my head would have been like, I would have felt a lot better about that if I had treated it like it was proper labor. So, right, okay. So the next morning the my care providers were a bit uh, confused as to when they were going to remove the balloon because mm-hmm. because I had to be in for a certain time frame and because they'd had one in and it fallen out and then they had to put the other one in. They were not sure when they were going to take it out and then I got up and went to the toilet and it came out and I could see my mucus plug um on it like all over it mm-hmm. so like I was I was pretty excited when I saw that and um called them and they were like oh yay we don't have to come up with the decision now of when to take it out because just fold it out and they thought it looked pretty good that um all the stuff had come out with that so they checked me and they said that I was uh, like three centimeters so that they'd be able to break my waters mm-hmm. um so yeah then we started going down that path of uh, breaking waters and mm-hmm. had a discussion with them about uh, about monitoring because they wanted me to be monitored. I wanted to be, well, I knew I couldn't have a water birth. I wanted to be in the shower. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a discussion about that um, and had the discussion about how long they would let me wait between breaking my waters and starting the Sintocinon as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then we ended up. I had, a, they decided to break my waters and they um, they had a, an obstetrician to come in with her new round of um, doctors with her and she sat down like she's standing above me beside my bed and she's like, oh, this is going to be the most painful exam that you've had so far, but after this you can have the epidural straight away. Oh, my gosh. And I was just like, my jaw was like a <sighs> 
And I, like, I couldn't hear her talk. I couldn't even say anything to her. And then she must have realised because she got down, like, her demeanour changed completely and she got down to my level and she's like, or not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I look back and I'm like, you know, one, it would have been helpful if you read my birth preference. Oh, they never so That would have been nice. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was like, you know, it, it kind of scares me that there are other women out there that they're going around and telling mm. this to. And you know what, like, that, them breaking my waters, I didn't even feel them. Like, all I felt was my waters coming down. Yeah, between me my too. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like, you know, there shouldn't be, really shouldn't be just, you know, putting that expectation on women. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, so they did that, and, you know, straight away I was like, oh, what colour is it? Um, because of increased uh, meconium staining with the cholestasis as well. And straight away they're like, no, no, don't worry, it's clear. Um, so. <laughs> oh, okay, so was that a was that a, a potential risk for you? Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. um, yeah, there are a few potential risks with that and um, uh, respiratory problems as well. So, okay. Um, yeah. So, so did have- they want to do extra monitoring because of it? Um, so they wanted to have continuous monitoring on. Um, mm-hmm. What we ended up doing was the fetal scalp clip, which they put in when they broke my waters. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, and that was, you know, I didn't, I knew that if I had the monitors around me, that they if would I interrupt. Out, they, yeah. yeah, they yeah. were just, they'd be all over me. They'd be more worried because it wouldn't be as clear and mm-hmm. more likely to just wheel me off for a Caesar. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And did so, you start feeling contractions once they broke your waters? Um, they started the syntocin on fairly soon after and it Okay, so you chose to a, get the syntocin on? Yeah, so and this is another thing I laugh at myself for mm-hmm. now that I'm a mum. So <laughs> I had this big concern um that after having one hour sleep that I was gonna get tired, like I was gonna be so exhausted. <laughs> um so I was like, well what are my chances of Go like getting contractions before having the syntocin. I'm like, if I if I wait a couple of hours, am I just going to be wasting those couple of hours? Basically, <laughs> um, they they were pretty much like, yeah, like it, it's a low chance that you're gonna you're gonna actually have some contractions. So I was like, all right, well we'll, we'll start the syntocin on. Um, and I look back and I'm like, I probably we're so strong. Like I brought my baby home and I feel like I didn't sleep for a week at all. Like had a couple of hours here and come back. <laughs> So, yeah, I had started it fairly quickly and then I got the, the pretty typical um, close together, quite intense, um, and they, they'd taken – it took them a while to get the Sintosin on back down. Um, once they'd worked it all out, I, they pretty much had turned the Sintosin on back off. Okay. So I was pretty much contracting by myself like, at that point quite happily. But – during that, you know, it took them a few hours for me to sort of get out of those contractions that are all on top of each other with not much rest in between and quite intense. Yeah. Um, and to me that kind of felt a bit like seasickness. And I don't know if that's because I was visualising like waves and I sort of felt like instead of having a bit of a rest, more of that rest between the waves, I was just going up and down, up and down, up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, felt like a bit seasick from that until that evened out and – I'd made this deal with myself that I was going to wait until my next vaginal exam before I got in the shower. Mm -hmm. Um, And then so I'd waited until I'd waited the four four hours, it must have been. Um, 
and waited for my student midwife to come and they did the next exam and told me I was six centimetres. And I look back and I know, I realise how amazing that is. Mm. Time, I was kind of like, oh, my God, like, that's like, you know, less than a centimetre an hour. Like, I'm going to, like, you start doing the math and you start thinking, all right, so if it's taken me this long to get this far, I'm, I'm up for many more hours. Um, but I got in the shower and I just reminded myself, I was like, you know, I've read all the stories. I've heard all the stories where people can go from like three centimeters dilated to dilated in, you know, an hour. So I was like, you know, just let your body do what the hell it's, it's meant to do, Adriana. Like, yeah, good on you. (laughs) Just let yourself do what it's meant to do. Um, and at that point, that's when things like become super easy for me. Like I was, I was just chilling out in the shower just, you know, I was sitting on the shower chair in between my contractions, just mm-hmm. resting and then um, getting up, leaning, I had my forehead on the shower, on the wall of the shower during my contractions. And after after birth, I like felt my forehead and I was like, wow, my head really hurts. Like, why does that hurt? And then I'd realise it's because I would like, had to spend like three hours in the shower. Yeah. With, it's a hard wall. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I spent the three hours in there. I was just, you know, visualizing him uh, making his descent and my uterus working. Beautiful. And yeah, husband doing light touch massage on my back. He was complaining that his back was hurting. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. And then I was just sort of like in my own, you know, you get in your own little, you get in your zone you and you do. get in your routine of what you're doing for each contraction. Um, and I'd stood up for my contraction as I feel like coming on and it started just like they had been. And then all of a sudden my body had acted like I'd just been winded and started pushing my baby out. Wow. You felt winded. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it just, you know, that it's that involuntary reaction of like it takes your breath in my yeah. head. Just... Your body sort of takes over and does it all for you. Was that a cool feeling for you because you'd obviously learnt about all of that? I was so excited about going through transition yeah, about cool. that I was going to lose it because I thought, you know, once I feel like I'm going to lose it and I recognize that, I know that I'll be close to having my baby. Yeah. So I was, you know, just, you know, contracting away as normal and thought that, you know, I would just sooner or later I would end up in transition and start to lose it. Mm-hmm. And then when that happened, I was just in shock. Like the first time it happened, I was kind of like, I can't be pushing yet. Like I haven't gone through transition. I haven't lost it yet. Wow, that's so good. I'm like, I can't be there yet. And then, yeah, for me to stop trying and like I was basically laughing at them. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. Like I couldn't stop this if I tried. Yeah, wow. Um, Yeah, and then, you know, they started, they were like, I had another, it was change of midwives at that point and another midwife had come in and she was like, oh, I I think you're pushing your cervix um so then she was like she turned the shower off on me and you know in my head I was having this baby in the shower yeah <laughs> um, so they've come in they're trying to get me back on the bed so that it can check me to see if I'm pushing my cervix and oh gosh not wanting to get out of the shower and then they've turned it off on me and I was sore um but yeah eventually they got me on the bed and as soon as they had parted my legs they were like no okay you can stand up it's right there yeah <laughs> and you know, I could feel I could feel his head coming down. I could feel that that two steps forward, one step back. Um so like I knew, I knew he was down there. 
I was just so in the zone and so focused on what I was doing that words weren't coming out of my yeah. mouth. <laughs> oh, honestly, it blows um, my mind that they think that that is completely acceptable to disturb you while you're clearly yeah. about to give birth. Yeah. And I think, like, I think it depends a lot on the midwife. Like, I oh, absolutely. I kind of felt like when that midwife changed over, she came into the room and she wanted to take more of the control away from me oh it's so wrong isn't it yeah and I think you know I up to that point my the midwife that I had in the middle of my labor she was perfect mm. she just let me do my thing and supported me where she needed to support me and that was absolutely exactly 110% what I needed mm-hmm. um but yeah this other one had come in and she wanted to check me she you know she wanted to know exactly where I was at and then they um had said that uh they were getting a little bit worried about baby's heartbeat um they basically had, you know, doctors waiting at the door wanting to come in and they're like, if, you know, you, you're going to get him out, you want to get him out now. So I had stood up on one side of the bed and I held my partner, my husband was on the other side of the bed and we held hands together, heads together. Um, and while, you know, my wishes weren't to have the coach pushing, they had coached me to then push my baby out so he could be pushed out rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he came out rather quickly mm-hmm. and, um was handed to me through my legs oh, and like wow. you know, it feels like forever when they you know you bring them up to your chest and I obviously had all the wires attached to me too so I'm trying to like trying to hold him basically at my tummy because I've always got the wire attached to his head that's attached to my leg and I'm like please why touch that like I've got all these other cords wrapped around me as well yeah and then you know it's all the blood on the floor and they're like they're trying to tell me to get in the bed and I'm looking at them like I've got this little this perfect little newborn yeah. um this floor is rather slippery and I have all these cords around me like how exactly do you want me to get into oh that gosh. bed now so were you just on a high at that point though because you just pushed a baby out yeah um I, I feel like I was kind of on a high the whole time, like, especially after my body wow. just started, like, pushing by itself. I was like, oh, my goodness, like, my bo- it's actually doing it. Like, I'm doing it. It's so, like, the whole, you know, from conception yeah. onwards, like, it's just, it's just miraculous. Yeah, absolutely. So true. So then yeah. you, event- did you do delayed cord clamping? Yeah, so we had requested delayed cord clamping. We got a little bit. Um, they were worried about the my third stage because I'd had the syntocin for the injection, mm-hmm. so they wanted to um, give me the injection. Yeah. Um, so we got a little bit, um, which, you know, given the circumstances, I was happy with. Yeah. But I'm like, I kind of feel like, you know, once once he was out, mm-hmm. it was kind of like a blur. Yeah. Like I feel like I remember everything really clearly until the moment he was in my hands. Yeah, so true. <laughs> you kind of don't care about anything after that as well. You're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I've got my baby. Yeah, you got your baby. You're just looking at them. And I was kind of, I don't know, like, yeah, on a high, but a little bit in shock as well. I was like, yeah. and I'm like. I like I remember my husband had come back into the room afterwards and I was like, I've done CrossFit workouts harder than that. Like, what? like all these women say it's so hard and I'm like, oh, I didn't really feel that. But I think it was just I think that's probably preparation though. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so important to prepare. Because yeah. One hundred percent. I loved it. Uh, I'm like, I would go through labor again in a heartbeat. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know, like I don't know. I think that I had expected to get to a point where I thought I couldn't handle it anymore. And there was no point in time where I got to that point. Like I was just, I was quite happy doing what I was doing. Then all of a sudden my, 
body was pushing my baby out and then I had him in my arms. Um, I had thought because they had coached me to push him out so quickly, I thought I would have torn. Mm -hmm. Um, So when they checked me for that, I was kind of like, you know, holding my baby tightly, praying that they weren't going to say third degree tear. Um, But, yeah, I had just had a small graze, so didn't even need stitches. Awesome. I think it's, um, you know, a lot of women are, are quite scared. Like that's one of their biggest fears, I think, going to birth is, 100%. is terrible. Yeah. So, yeah, I was pretty happy to walk away like that. Yeah, awesome. And how long were you in hospital for? I got discharged the next day. So he was born at 9.54 on the Tuesday night and then we went home. It must have been like five o'clock on the Wednesday we went home. Yeah, nice. So not long at all. And what was your recovery like after that? So I like, and again, I don't know why I didn't think about this beforehand, but I like uh, down there had kind of felt to me like when you see like the Kardashians, like inflamed lips, like the really swollen lips. Oh, really swollen. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> That's one way that, to describe it. <laughs> That was what I was picturing down there. Um, so that sort of happened, you know, 24 hours afterwards. And it, like, it shouldn't have taken me by surprise, but kind of took me by surprise. But um, once I got my head around that, I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, all I'm really doing is sitting down and yeah. trying to feed my baby at the moment. So um, that was quite fine. And that went down fairly quickly anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, it was just I didn't really have it. Like, you know, I took it slow like most mums should anyway. Mm-hmm. So took it slow and then, yeah, didn't really have any issues with recovery. Awesome. Breastfeeding ended up being fairly good too. Um, it's fairly easy too. Oh, that's great. That's yeah, he's so actually good. he's still breastfeeding. So two nice. and a half, he'll be three in November. And oh, he's still nice. Hey, look, <laughs> no judges. I've got a two-year-old that I'm still feeding every now and then. So And twins. Yes. Oh, well done. Yeah, I, I got it at one. At one, like, people were like, so what are you going to yeah. do now? It's like, what do you mean? What am I exactly. going to do Exactly. I say the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? Like, I don't have a say in this, guys. Good on you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. so are you guys planning on having any more babies? So the plan is just the one. Um, it's just as much as I would love another one, for some reasons, I know that the best decision for the family is uh, just the one. Yeah. So, yeah. if you were to go back is there anything you would have done differently I think I would want to be probably pickier with my care providers Mm -hmm. or like maybe have like a doula or uh my own private midwife yeah okay um I think that like it's hard in Adelaide to get a private midwife that has um can treat you at the hospital but um yeah I think that would have been a bit different like that would have been the one aspect yeah yeah um because yeah I think just you know I had three throughout from when I got the on started until when I birthed Lincoln I'd had three different midwives and like I said the one in the middle was absolutely brilliant Mm -hmm. um but the first one was I guess lacking confidence Mm -hmm. um which I kind of felt a bit and then the last one just wanted was a bit she felt old school like she wanted to take the control away from me so Mm -hmm. um I think if I'd you know could employ someone that was like that middle midwife like that would just let me do my thing yeah that would have been perfect yeah and you're yep. also a hypnobirthing practitioner now is that right yeah so I fell in love with the course so much <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> um and 
I think, you know, having that experience for myself, I was like, you know, this is amazing that I had it. But what about the people like my friend who didn't get that experience? Like that's, it's not, like, it's not fair. We should all be able to get an empowering and positive experience. Um, You know, we should know all this stuff. So that's why I became Hypnobirthing Australia practitioner Mm -hmm. um, so that I can help more mamas get that for themselves yeah nice and so you just do classes like how does it work um so I teach the full program which is a 12-hour program okay um face-to-face or via zoom so we usually do either four three-hour sessions or two full-day sessions Mm -hmm. um and then the other option is the hypnobirthing australia online hypnobubs course yeah cool um which you can do and then upgrade if because I guess, you know, if you do a face-to-face class, you get that, you know, that question time and that one-on-one time still with your practitioner. But if you do the online course, um, it's pre-recorded modules and it's, you know, it's great. It's all the best stuff from the course Mm -hmm. um, that you can do at your own pace, but you can also upgrade. So you get a 90-minute session with a practitioner um, where you can just go over all your personal stuff, like really personalize it so that you're feeling really ready um, for your experience. Awesome. I'll make sure I share all of those details in the show notes for anyone that's interested. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your positive birth experience with us. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. That brings us to the end of today's show, guys. I hope you feel inspired by Adriana's story. Check out our Instagram page for more info on hypnobirthing and I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia. 